I know last Sunday night was traumatic. It was officially the end, uh, but I was there when the season unofficially ended on Thursday night football, when the Titans uh, came into Lambeau Field and, and beat the Packers. And it was November, and I knew it would be chilly, so I thought I was prepared, and I had on some thermals, and then I had on another layer of clothing, and then another shirt, and I, I put on three pairs of socks, had a hat and gloves, and thought, I'll be fine. And I went to the stadium, and I, I felt warm uh, for the first half. And then all of a sudden, it started. And my feet, they, they started to get cold. And I, I had three pairs of socks on. I, I couldn't get any more socks on my feet, but I, I had tennis shoes on. And um, it was getting a little chilly at halftime. And so I started, started walking in place a little bit. And then the third quarter hit. And then I couldn't feel my feet at all. Just the, the feeling, the feeling was, was completely gone. And uh, the friend that I went with was like, you should have worn boots. I'm like, well, thank you. That's very helpful at this time uh, right now. And, and we made friends with, uh, with the fans in, in front of us. And, and we were all laughing at how stupid I was for not wearing boots, uh, which was great. And then a couple uh, minutes into the fourth quarter after I figured I was just going to lose both feet. They'd be amputated from frostbite. Uh, a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, it, it dawned on the new friend that, I, that I'd made in front of us that she had some extra foot warmers. And so she said, would, would you like some foot warmers? And I said, that would be lovely. And that was a mistake because I put those foot warmers in my shoe and I put my foot in my shoe and I went from no feeling it whatsoever in my feet to feeling like a prequel of hell in my shoe as my feet went just from nothing to straight fire. There was no in-between. And then my feet just felt like they were burning the entire time. Everything else on me was fine. Everything else on me I was prepared for. I wasn't cold anywhere else. My hands were fine. My ears were fine. My nose, it wasn't even covered. It was fine. But my feet went from just feeling nothing to being miserably hot, all because I wasn't adequately prepared. And last week we saw, as we're looking over the next couple weeks, at what's called the armor of God, the end of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we saw that we are in a battle, whether we recognize it or not. And a lot of times we just take it for granted. A lot of times we don't even think about it because it happens in the spiritual realm and the unseen realm. But if you are someone who's given your life to Jesus, if you're someone who follows Jesus in your life, whether you recognize it or not, you are engaged in a spiritual battle. And what we saw last week was that we have an enemy and his entire goal, his entire goal is to trip us up. His entire goal is to find our weak points and make us fall. And as people that love and follow Jesus, we don't have to win the war. The war has already been won, but our job is that we would remain standing. But our enemy's smart, and he's crafty, and he knows where we're weak. He's a great salesman, and he knows where we're weak, and he always attacks those areas. And so this morning, we're going to see that how we can be prepared when the enemy comes and he tries to make us fall. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us this morning in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download. Whatever app store you utilize, once it's installed on your device, there are a number of great features within the Bible app. One of them is called Events. And go to the Events section of the Bible app, and there you can either enable your locations 
or type in zip code 54201 and Lakeside Community Church will pop up. You can take notes right in the app. You can digitally underline things keep them saved on your device. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, and we're going to be starting in verse 13 in just a minute. And if you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much for joining us. The verses will be available on the screen below. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team at Lakeside, and we are so glad that you are here. Thank you for joining us as we continue our look at how we can be prepared, how we can be people who love and follow Jesus, and how we can protect ourselves because we're engaged in a battle, whether we recognize it or not. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 is where we'll start this morning, and there we read these words. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Take up the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. What we're about to look at today and over the course of the next couple weeks, these are requirements. These aren't things that you can pick and choose. You can't take on the ones that you like, the ones that are comfortable, and disregard the rest. That's not how it works. We need to be protected. We need to be prepared. And so this is a call for us that everything we're going to look at, we can't pick and choose. And sometimes we try to do that in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we want to pick and choose where we're going to be obedient to God, what we're going to listen to, the parts of Scripture that we like, and then we're just going to try to disregard the parts of Scripture that we don't like, or we're going to disregard the things that make us a little bit uncomfortable or the things that we don't want to do. And we try to play this game where we want God, but we want God on our terms. And unfortunately, that's not how it works because what we've just done is we've created ourselves God. We can't take the parts and the aspects of God that we like and adapt those and adopt those in our lives and just disregard everything else. That's not how it works. God is who he is. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is unchanging. He is holy. He is unmovable. We don't get to determine the aspects and the parts of God that we like and to chase and run after those, but then anything that makes us uncomfortable and anything that we don't like, just disregard that and think and convince ourselves in the process that we're becoming great followers of God. That's not how it works. And there are going to be parts of the armor of God that we look at today and over the course of the next couple of weeks that you're like, yes, yes, that's, that's great. I'm there. That's easy and that's fun. And there are going to be other parts that hit a little close to home. And they're going to be different for all of us. But those are the parts that if we're not careful, we're going to, just going to try to disregard those parts. We're going to try to diminish those parts. We're going to try to get around those parts. And that's not how it works. We have to put on the whole armor of God. We don't get to pick and we don't get to choose. That's not how it works. You don't get to pick and you don't get to choose your spiritual disciplines. You don't get to pick and you don't get to choose what areas of your life you're going to be obedient in and what areas of your life you're not going to be obedient in. God wants you, but he wants all of you, every part. And so I, I just want you to just analyze your heart right now, analyze your life, and, because we all have those areas. We all have our struggles. We all have those areas, those things that, that nag at us a little bit, those things that, that, are, that we know are in our lives that, that don't bring honor to God. And we excuse them 
We rationalize them. We diminish them. But they're there. And those are the areas that the enemy's going to use to attack you. And those are the areas where he's going to trip you up. And those are the areas that are going to bring angst and anguish and anxiety. Those are the areas in your life that are going to cause you the most pain. And it isn't that God's trying to deprive you of joy. It isn't that God doesn't want you to experience the wholeness of life or the wholeness of of blessing or your existence or anything like that. No, just the opposite. God wants you to experience the best that this life has to offer. God God wants to bless you. He wants you to know what it's like to walk in close communion with him. These are the areas that are in place in all of our lives. And just here at the outset, This is the challenge, that if we're going to stand, we can't pick and choose. If we're going to stand, if we're going to be successful in this spiritual battle, that we we just have to be honest with ourselves. We have to recognize that there are going to be points that we don't like, and there are going to be points that are hard, and there are going to be points that sometimes are painful because it's going to require us to cut some things out of our lives. It's going to cause us to do some things that we don't want to do. But that's part of putting on the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We need to stand firm. So how do we do that? We go on in the first part of verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, the Apostle Paul does some personification for us, and, and he, he, he starts talking, he starts giving all of, these, all of these things examples. And so for truth, he says the belt of truth. This holds everything up, holds everything up. I used to go clothes shopping with, with my parents around the start of school every year. It was a traumatic experience because I, I, would, I would go, and I was kind of at that age where I thought I knew everything and really knew nothing. And at that age where, you know, it's, it's just, kind of, just kind of awkward. I don't know, probably around fourth or, fourth or fifth grade. And I, I went to a, a department store at the time. Uh, some of you who are younger, you don't know the pain of what it's like to go to your mom's favorite department store and try to find clothes that you're not going to be made fun of in at school from that department store and then you go into the changing rooms and there's like 14 mirrors and every mirror gives you a different angle and you look a little bit different it was traumatic experience maybe you didn't experience this maybe you've long forgotten it congratulations to you i have not uh but we would go and then i would it was bad enough when i had to go shopping with my mom but when i had to go shopping with my dad it was absolutely a traumatic experience because my dad my dad wanted me to make sure that I bought clothes, but that I'd have some room to grow in. <laughs> he didn't want to buy pants every two weeks or something. And that's fine. I'm a father now. Totally get it. What I don't get is his method for making sure that my clothes would be big enough for that. So I would have to go out of the changing room if I had a new pair of pants. And then he would take like two fingers and try to fit them in the waistband of my pants, like, outside the changing room. I'm like, there could be people I know here. This is very embarrassing. Like, to see my dad sitting there trying to jam two fingers in the waistband of my pants. And I'm, like, hitting his hand away. He's like, I just need to make sure. I'm like, they're big enough or they're not big enough. He's like, I just need to make sure. And one time, I'm just, like, fed up with this. I'm like, stop. I got it. And so I went and I got a pair of pants, a different pair of pants. 
off, off the rack, off the shelf. I don't remember. But I just remember going in the changing room, being traumatized and just thinking, I'm going to need to see a counselor one day as a result of this moment right here. I got into the, got into the changing room, and, and, and these pants, they, I mean, I had plenty of room to grow in them. I, I had plenty of, plenty of room to grow in them. And I, I tucked a shirt in, and I walked out, and I'm like, see, these pants fit. They fit great. He's like, uh, untuck the shirt. And when I did, the pants started to fall down. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm out in the department store. And when you're that age, you're, like, traumatized by it. So I'm, like, I'm like fumbling, and I pull them up, and I just tell my parents I don't love them anymore, and, and this, is, this is a horrible thing. Now, some of you recognize the value of a belt. Some of you don't, and everybody in your family, when you go to do a project, recognizes the value of a belt because you show them more than they ever wanted to see. Like, there's some, there's some value here in keeping everything held up. And what the Apostle Paul uses to bring in this point of holding everything up is truth. And you look at where we are now in our society. And we've diminished truth so much that now I can have my truth, and that's accepted. That my truth doesn't have to be your truth. And it makes absolutely no sense. Because truth is not opinion. Truth is absolute. There is one truth. And what we're, con what we're told here is that truth holds everything else up. The belt of truth. We talk all the time. We talk all the time about engaging with Scripture, about engaging with the heart of God. Because make no mistake, if you're ever wondering what is the truth, it is found right here. It's unchanging. It's God's revealed heart to us. And times and strategies and, and thoughts will change. But Scripture's unchanging. Because the God behind it is unchanging and immovable. And he stays the same. And if you're wondering, if you're searching for a source of truth, I want to tell you, if you found scripture, you found it. And you might say, well, that's narrow, Brian. That's just one perspective. And I would just say, put its claims to the test. Apply it in your life and see for yourself. Challenge it through the lens of history. And you'll see it holds up belt of truth. This is why we talk all the time that it's important. It's important to engage with scripture. And if you're not right now, I, I just want to encourage you. We talk every week about how you can find us in the Bible app within that same app. There are a number of resources that you can utilize that if you're not doing anything right now, you need to start somewhere. And so start simple. Start with a verse of the day. And if you're like, oh, I'm really busy. I, I don't know. Well, you have time to open an app and read a verse. But if, if that seems if that just seems too much for you, then just set your notification so it pushes you a verse every day. And it's right there. Start there. Take a couple minutes, read it over. Read it over a couple times on, on a drive to work or a moment over lunch or before you walk back into the house when you get home or right after you put the kids to bed, whatever the case may be. Just take a minute out of your day and just ponder it and, and think about it and, and start that discipline. And I guarantee you, you're going to notice a change in your life because you're encountering the heart of our creator. And after you start there, 
go a little bit more. Because that will create a hunger within you. That will create a desire because it will change things. You can go a little deeper and, and read a paragraph or maybe even a chapter. But be engaged. Because truth holds everything else up. And truth is found for us right here. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate, it would cover the torso. That's highly critical, especially when you're engaged in fighting with swords and spears and arrows. This covers the torso, the heart, covers other vital places that if you were hit in battle, you would die. The breastplate protects that. And what we're told is having put on the breastplate of what? Of righteousness. And what is righteousness? Righteousness is aligning our hearts with the heart of God and putting that into practice. That's what righteousness is, that we would align our desires with God's desires, that we would align our conduct with God's desires for our conduct, that we would walk in the ways that God calls us to walk in, even if we don't want to. That's what righteousness is, that we lay down our own desires and we elevate God's desires, that we do what's right, what God has called us to do, even when it is not convenient, even when we don't feel like doing it. That's being righteous. The people would see our conduct and they would see an expression of the fact that we follow after God, that we would be people who are people of integrity, that even in the conduct and even in the choices that other people don't see, that even in those moments we are striving after God. It's not lost on me that it's the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because it's our heart's desires. And the question that I just want to ask you is, do your heart's desires line up with the desires of God for you? Only you can answer that question. Because it's easy to put on a show, it's easy to fake it. But really, the things that you long after, the things that you desire, the things that you desperately want, they bring God honor and glory. Is that what defines you? In those moments. What do you long for? Is it fame? Is it influence? Is it fortune? Is it fantasy? What do you long for? question that you have to then ask yourself, and the lens you have to run it through, is do those longings honor God? Because the direction of our hearts will influence and determine the course of our lives. The direction of our hearts will determine the course of our lives. And we can have all the head knowledge. We can have all the head knowledge of God. We can have all the head knowledge of Scripture. We can have it all. But if it doesn't make its way into our hearts, then the lives we live will not be the lives that God would have for us. And we will not stand. We will fall prey. Because again, Satan's a great salesman, and 
he, it's not hard to figure out the longings of our heart because we're all human and within all of us are generally the same longings. It's not that Satan's psychic, it's just that we're human. And the story of humanity hasn't changed all that much. There have been a number of technological advances, but we are who we are at our core. And so Satan doesn't have to sell us a thousand different products. He puts a different spin on it like any good salesman would. But really, there's just a few core things he has to sell us. Namely, satisfaction. I promise you this, if you will guard your heart, and if your heart would be righteous, you will experience more satisfaction than you could ever fathom. The question is, do you trust God? And are you willing to do it His way instead of your own? What do you long for? Because the desires of your heart will determine the outcome of your life. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Idea of readiness, I absolutely love because sometimes you're going to need to move. Sometimes you're going to have to get going. And I just want to ask you: Are you eager to share the message of hope? Is there an energy? Is there excitement within you to share the difference that God has has made in your life? Are you excited? And are you eager to to have the opportunity to be the ambassadors that God has called us to be? To recognize that each and every day is an opportunity. And I'm not talking about being obnoxious. We all know those obnoxious people. I'm not talking about being that person. But I'm talking about recognizing the fact that God has positioned us where he's positioned us with the gift set that God has given us for a purpose. And do we leverage, do we leverage our opportunities? Do we leverage our relationships? to share the hope that we've experienced because of what Jesus has done for us. And I recognize that sharing your faith with somebody can feel like this monumental, scary thing. And if you find yourself there, unsure of what to say, I promise you this, if you would just ask God to give you opportunities, you can always start with your story. Talk about the difference that God has made in your life. Because misery is all around. People aren't happy. And they're searching. And if you've made the decision to give your life to God, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, there's a hope that is within you. That should be contagious. Be ready to share your story. Be ready to share the hope that you have. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel 
of peace. So the first question is, are you eager to take the message of hope? But the second question is, are you living a life of peace? This is the benefit of the gospel. You can have peace. That even when the worst that this world has to throw our way, that there can still be peace in your life. It doesn't mean you have to put up a front. It doesn't mean you have to pretend that everything's perfect and everything's fine when your world's spiraling out of control. But it does mean that in those moments when your world's spiraling out of control and everything is, is not what you thought it would be, you still have hope. Is your life defined by this? The gospel of peace. And are you eager to take that message of hope to people? We look at our region and we see a need. We see a need for Jesus and that's why God has placed us here. We exist to help people move one step closer to Jesus and reach those far from him. That is our mission. That is what drives every decision that we make. That we want to help people move one step closer to Jesus in their spiritual journeys. This is a, the spiritual process of sanctification. That people are continually becoming more and more like Jesus. But our purpose here, God has not just placed us here for people that have already made the decision to follow after him. Because we look at our Savior's heartbeat. And we, the church, we're, we're an extension of the global church. The global church in Scripture is called the Bride of Christ. And like any marriage, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you need to have the same goals and, and the same desires. And and so we look at Jesus' heartbeat, and, and what is Jesus' heartbeat? That he came to seek and save those that are lost. That he commissioned his followers when he returned to heaven to go and make disciples in your immediate region. And then stepping out further, and then across the world. And if that is the mission of our Savior, and we're his bride, then that has to be our mission as well. And you look at where we are as a society, in a place where people have been told, just do whatever makes you happy, and never before have people been more miserable in human history. Everybody's trying to define and determine their own truth, and it doesn't work that way. And everybody's trying and determining to follow after their own heart and scripture tells us that the heart's wicked and it's deceptive above all things and so we as people that love and follow after God we have the advantage of knowing that there is one truth we have the advantage of knowing that even though Satan's a great salesman satisfaction isn't found in chasing after every desire that we have in fact it's just the opposite we have the advantage of knowing a peace a peace that surpasses all understanding a peace that you can't even fully explain a peace that when the world throws the worst that it can at you it doesn't destroy you 
That's the message. We need to live with it. Not that we're obnoxious about it. That our hearts break when we see people who don't understand it and who haven't experienced it in the same way that our Savior's heart broke when he saw the crowds as he labeled them harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This has to do something within us. We are quick to share with people the hope that we have, that we live lives of peace, that we are willing to find satisfaction, not in whatever we search after, but when we recognize that God's plan is the ultimate path to satisfaction, and it's revealed and it's found for us in truth that is unchanging and unmovable. We share that hope with people. And one of the best ways in the context that we have here in our society to share that hope with people is to tell them your story and to give them an invite. It's to invite them here, to come to church with you. That you make the personal invite and you say, hey, come with me. Not just, hey, check out church, but you say, hey, come to church and come with me. And we look at our region and we see that there's so much hope that is needed. And that's why it is our goal this year to connect with 100 new families, that we would have 100 new families encounter Lakeside. That doesn't mean 100 new families are going to come and stay at Lakeside and call Lakeside their church. We, we would love that, but you know we, we would need to make some changes. And we're willing to do that if God does that. But what we want to do is we want to share that hope with 100 new families this year. And the only way that's possible, we can, we can do all kinds of ad campaigns, but there is no better thing that we can do to make that happen than you talking to your people, than you talking to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and telling them your story. And when they come to you and say, this is what's going on in my life, saying, I will pray with you, I'll pray with you right now, and hey, come check this out with us. Give it a shot. You might like it, you might hate it. I don't know. This isn't, this isn't about us. This is about us taking the hope of Jesus to people that need it. This is why we're, we're, this is why we're trying to expand, and this is why we've got the plans in place and the next steps to hire the architect so that we have even more facility space here so that we can already do a better job of already ministering to the people that God has entrusted to Lakeside. And that we can continue to reach more. This is why we've made an investment. We just brought on a next-gen pastor to really come alongside young families and students and walk with them through some of the most awkward, difficult times of their life. When they just want to buy a pair of pants and their dad's taking two fingers and trying to get them down in the waistband and they're traumatized forever. They need people at that age. We want to be there with the hope of Jesus. We want to be there collectively. And it starts individually. That we would be prepared with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes that are ready 
with the message of peace. God, we pray that you would enable us to follow after you, that we would lean in to your truth, the truth. God, in an age and in an era where everybody wants to define things, everybody wants to change things, I pray that we could be compassionate. I pray that we would be loving. I pray that we would be merciful. But I pray, God, we would be unapologetic in the fact that your message does not change. I pray, God, it would start with us. That we would have a, a desire to encounter you through Scripture. And if, that's desi if that desire isn't in place in each of our lives right now, God, I just pray that you would create it within us. God, that we would find our satisfaction in you. That our hearts would chase after you. You would be what we long for. And God, I pray that we would live lives that are defined by peace. And we would be ready to share the hope with those around us. God, help this be a place that helps people move one step closer to you in their spiritual journeys. And let this be a place that reaches those who are far from you, who need the hope of a relationship that's only available through your son. We thank you for him and his sacrifice. We ask you to use this place for your glory, Jesus. Work in us, through us, around us, and in spite of us. May this region discover hope. And may it start with each of us. Be honored and glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.